Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Leslie McClurg in for Alexis Madrigal. For some committed couples, years of living in close quarters during a pandemic has prompted a search for a new model living apart together. They're committed to the relationship, they just want to live separately. We'll hear about how it works and whether being physically apart is the solution to staying together. That's coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in for Alexis Madrigal this morning. COVID has sparked many revelations in the last three years. And one of them is that after months in lockdown, maybe there is such a thing as too much togetherness. You love your person, but you need a little space. That concept is driving a relationship model called living apart together. These partners want to stay together, just not in the same home. And it's estimated that about 4 million Americans are married but living in separate households. Sometimes, obviously, a job requires that. But often, particularly for women and older couples, living apart together is a choice that offers more freedom and more agency. And we're joined now to discuss this and kind of peel it apart with Kelly Coyne. She's a freelance journalist who wrote the recent New York Times article titled The Wife Left, But We're Still Together. And we're also joined by Vicki Larson. She's the author of the new I Do. Larson is also a reporter for the Marin Independent Journal, and she's writing a forthcoming book about living apart together. Good morning, both of you. Kelly, I want to start with you. Uh, Your piece in the New York Times, uh, which was excellent, had many, many, many comments, many of which were quite passionate. Tell us, how did you get interested in this subject? Um, Well, first, thank you so much for having me, Alexis. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I'm finishing up a dissertation. I'm a PhD candidate in radio, TV, and film. Um, And it's looking at um, off-kilter domestic arrangements between women and movies and TV from 1970 until 2020. And I found that starting in the 1970s, we were seeing, you know, 
situations on TV in which women were being forced by financial circumstances into living with people other than their romantic partner if they had one. So for instance, you have um, a television show called Kate and Allie, where these are two women whose husbands left them and they moved in together out of financial necessity to raise their children together. But over time, um, I think as... Um, kind of women and queer people have undergone changes in status in the US, we've seen more and more that women are actually, you know, entering these arrangements more out of choice than out of financial necessity. And then I ran an article in the New York Times about older couples who are increasingly choosing to um, live apart. Um, and there, so I kind of dove into the academic literature on it. And I found a study that said that often women who were formerly married and lost their husband um, did not want to enter into kind of the old arrangement they had because they were recognizing their disadvantages in the normative arrangement. So that's kind of what led me into this, this particular article. And Vicki, how would you kind of simply just define what living apart together is? Or, or I've heard other people use the term a partner's. Yeah. Hi. And thank you so much for having uh, me on. I, I have to make a slight correction. I am the co-author of The New I Do. My, my, my co-author gets upset when um, we don't include each other. Um, living apart together is two people who uh, either can't live together for circumstances like jobs or schooling, um, but would like to. And it's also people who are actually choosing to have separate spaces um, because it suits their situation or their lifestyle. And in my book, I'm also including people who don't sleep together. There's a lot of people who are sleeping in separate bedrooms. So that's not quite what the original definition of live apart together is. But I think it that also works for a lot of people, uh, too. And, you know, kings and queens did it in the Grand Castle. So why can't we? And this is obviously different, say, for than a married couple who is choosing to separate. That That's kind of the intention there is we're going to try living apart because we want to see if actually being apart is a better option for us. Correct. This is actually choosing to live apart with the intention that this is going to make our marriage thrive. Yes. And um, it, it doesn't work for everybody to do that, but it does work for some people because if the marriage is struggling for all the reasons that marriages struggle, um, a divorce is costly uh, financially, emotionally. Um, you will end up living apart and having to move anyway. Very rarely do people stay in the same uh, housing situation. And that actually has long-term ramifications, especially for women. And so this is a way to create the breathing space that you might need in a marriage and maybe Maybe you just try it temporarily, but um, a lot of people try it temporarily and then decide that they like it so much that they just continue on with it. Yeah. Kelly, do you know in your reporting, did you uncover whether or not this is a new phenomenon or, or has this really kind of been around for a while? Um, it. I found that it really was steadily rising between 2000 and 2019. Um, and then there was, you know, a dip in 2020 when people um, 
quarantine together, but pre 2000, there isn't much data. Um, and so I wasn't really able to look into, you know, actual populations, but certainly in film and media, there are many examples of the, of this kind of situation playing out. And you talk about many different couples in your in your piece. Tell us about the Ordways and why they specifically are choosing to live apart together. Yeah. Um, so Jeff and Connie Ordway um, live in the Midwest, and um, Connie is an extrovert, and Jeff is an introvert. And they met in California. They were both public public school teachers when they they met and and got married. Um, and they then moved back to where Jeff is from and they bought a farm there. And this was, you know, difficult for Connie, but especially so over COVID because she is such an extrovert. And so she initiated a conversation um, over COVID about getting her own place. And so now she is an apartment about a 20 minute drive from Jeff and Jeff is still living on the farm. And they see each other a few times a week and they talk on the phone every morning and every night. And what do they say are like their favorite parts of doing that? And what are some of the things that they miss about living together? Yeah. So Jeff, I thought it was very sweet. Jeff said, you know, the hardest thing for him is not getting to see his favorite person every day. Mm -hmm. um, they had similar kind of um, interestingly positive reactions to it. So, you know, I, I heard in my reporting that women often really enjoyed having a break from seeing themselves as a wife, kind of when they were in the presence of their spouse, they felt this pressure to kind of see themselves through the eyes of their spouse and be a good wife and care for their spouse, where um, Jeff said that he also enjoyed the pressure, the, the kind of release of pressure from not feeling bad about leaving his socks around. <laughs> um, and so I think they both enjoyed just thinking about themselves for a bit and not necessarily kind of running their decisions through the eyes of their spouse. Does that kind of hit home for you, Vicki? I mean, you, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been divorced twice. And in this latest iteration, you have chosen not to live with your partner. Um, that that is true. But I was I was a reluctant lat person. It wasn't something that I consciously choose chose at the beginning because look we all kind of follow a romantic script right uh you meet someone you date you fall in love you move together move in together and then you get married and i did that two times and i started to question that um when i got divorced the second time and uh you know and then when i fell madly in love with my first boyfriend after that marriage uh i just kind of our children were young but i thought at some point we probably would live together and I would ask him and he would be very coy and I'd be a little sad and then the longer that I lived alone the more I realized I liked it and because of my divorce arrangement my children were with their dad for one week and then they were with me and when the week that they were with me I was full-on mommying but the week that they were with their dad I could breathe I could do whatever I wanted to do it was the space that I never allowed myself to have in the marriage. And I'm, you know, 
I don't know if I had that space, if the marriage would have been different. I don't know. It's just that I think a lot of women don't give themselves the space to do it. There's a lot of societal expectations that women will do the cleaning and the childcare. And we certainly saw that during the pandemic when a lot of women either dialed back their work or quit altogether because they were uh, teaching their kids because there was a virtual school. And so um, it is kind of a women kind of drive this, uh, although I will say it had a queer beginning. Um, in, in the 1970s, a sociologist was studying uh, gay men in the D Detroit area, and he found that a lot of them didn't live with their romantic partner because it was a way that they could have a committed relationship when same-sex relationships were not openly accepted. So it, I didn't know that until I started doing uh, the research for my book. So I found that kind of interesting. How do you find, I imagine now that you've got kind of a script in terms of how do you tell your friends and family or people who might be, you can feel them sort of raising their eyebrows, why would you do this or sort of judging you? How do you bring your friends and family on board to support you in this, you know, kind of unique, unique arrangement? Well, yes. I mean, everyone is kind of scratching their heads over it because the assumption is uh, if you love your partner, why wouldn't you live together? And I ask, well, if you love your partner, why, why would you? Like, who told you you had to do that? You know, if you uh, have a marriage license, the marriage license doesn't tell you how to structure your marriage. It doesn't tell you you have to be monogamous. It doesn't tell you you have to live together. You don't even have to love each other. You could get married for the perks and privileges that the government bestows. So, yes, people are questioned question it, they think something is wrong because we have this idea in our head that a romantic relationship looks a certain way. And we're seeing that that's not really so true anymore. I mean, um, very few families look like that nuclear family that we all have in our head from the 1950s, which was a blip anyway. Um, there's all sorts of different arrangements uh, for uh, people's romance. And once cohabitation really started to become popular and uh, so many young people, people of all ages are living together, it kind of paved the way for living apart together relationships to have space. Absolutely. And we'll talk about all of this after the break. Stay with us. We're talking about couples who are living apart together by choice. It's a way of being together that has become even more popular since the pandemic. More after the break. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in this morning for Alexis Madrigal. And we're talking about couples who are living apart together by choice. It's a way of being together that has become even more popular since the pandemic. So these are people who are living under separate households. And we're joined by Kelly Coyne. She's a freelance journalist who wrote the recent New York Times article, The Wife Left, But They're Still Together. And Vicki Larson, she's the co-author of the new I Do, Reshaping Marriage for the Skeptics, Realists, and Rebels. Larson is also a reporter for the Marin Independent Journal, and she's writing a forthcoming book about living apart together. And we're going to be joined, or we are joined, I think, by Sherry Sims Allen. She's a psychologist and relationship expert. And we want to hear from you. Are you living apart together with your partner? How's it going? What are the reasons why you decided to do this? Uh, would you consider living apart together? Why, what do you see as sort of the pros and the cons of that arrangement? Or do you have some questions for our relationship experts? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. We want to hear your stories. Uh, Kelly, I'm curious. This seems like this would primarily appeal to middle and upper class families because it's a lot more expensive to have two households. Is that what you found in your reporting? Yeah, it's definitely easier for people of upper classes, you know, to arrange this for themselves. I interviewed people from kind of all over the socioeconomic um, spectrum, but, and, but no one who is living in poverty. Um, And so I, you know, Jeff is a farmer. I interviewed accountants, public school teachers, people working in corporate America, fitness instructor. Connie got a job as a shuttle bus driver in order to support their arrangement and then writers and podcast hosts. And this definitely seems like it's much easier for middle and upper class people to arrange this. Um, And, you know, some people who did go to college, others who didn't. But I found that people who it's not really a one size fits all. there, you know, was a situation where, for instance, um, someone doing LAT was living with um, a member of their family in order to temper the cost of living. Um, and people will move in with friends or with neighbors, chosen family, things like that in order to, you know, split housing costs in other ways. Um, and even though I kind of know about where people live and the housing costs based on people where, where people live and their occupations, I don't know exactly what their income is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there are, you know, and then there was a situ- two situations in which women uh, benefited financially from living apart because they saw more career opportunities. In one case, there was a woman who moved for a higher paying job So it's really kind of like raising children in this scenario where there isn't kind of one way people do it. Um, And they're often living with, you know, other people in order to temper the cost of living. And I think that was true for you, Vicky. Is that is that wasn't that the case? You made that decision to make this work for you. Well, yeah. So I, I, I do 
I, I know that it, it's kind of a myth that it is expensive, but I, I just need to point out that when you meet your partner, you are already living separately. You start off as living apart. You don't have to change your living arrangement. And I think it's there are other costs besides just financial. If you have to move to be to move in with your partner, there's a psychological cost too, if you have to move away from your social network of family and friends. So yes, I absolutely, if I lived with my romantic partner, I would save on my mortgage and everything. I cannot afford my life as a journalist in the Bay Area, let's just put it that way. But so I have... Yeah, I rent out rooms uh, and I have a rental unit and that is how I survive. Sounds like you're getting quite creative. (laughs) Well, I think that is what people do. You know, if you're turning a romantic situation into a financial situation, I don't think that's a real good way to start off a relationship. If you are looking to move in with someone because you want to save money, I would say get creative, do something different. If, if, if where you are already living is unaffordable to you, do something different. I would hesitate to tell people to move in with your romantic partner just because you want to save money. You should move in with your romantic partner because that's what you want to do, not because you're going to save costs. Because that's starting the relationship off in a... You know, money is something that people fight about all the time. So it's so, better, yeah, better to focus on what's sort of working in the relationship and, yeah. and yeah, and let it build from there. I want to bring Dr. Sherry Sims Allen into the conversation again. She's a psychologist and relationship expert. Uh, Sherry, I believe that at the beginning of your marriage, which is now in its 22nd year, so congratulations, you and your husband were living, I think, bi-coastal, living apart. What was that like for you, that, that arrangement? Hi, Alexis. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, it was it was beautiful. Uh, my husband lived in New Jersey in Piscataway, and he was well set up as an art. Uh, uh, he he framed art art framer, and I lived on the West Coast, and I was at the time uh, flying for United Airlines, and we felt like let's take our time, let's enjoy each other, let's enjoy the relationship and build a strong foundation first because we were bicoastal. And we wanted to we wanted to make sure the coast that we lived on is where we wanted to be. I love the West Coast. He loved living on the East Coast. And it was very unusual. Our friends criticized it, but it was the best part of our marriage in the beginning because it gave us time to focus on the relationship, focus on what worked about it, what didn't work about it, and then take some break, you know, take a time where I went, I flew home and he stayed on the East Coast or when he came out. But we had time to really... Um, cultivate a relationship that worked for both of us. And we've been married 22 years. And both of us say that that five years of commuting and uh, living apart together was the best. The best, like the best time of your marriage or The, the best thing you could have done to lay a good foundation for your marriage? Both the best time of our marriage and the best time to take the time to lay a great foundation. I agree with Vicky when um, money should never be a reason to move in together or uh, live as a couple. 
uh, it gets in the way and it creates an off balance for the couplehood. So it's important to really uh, lay that foundation, how you spend money, how you make decisions, how do you um, um, deal with uh, conflict resolution? Do you communicate? For my husband and I, it allowed us to really develop a way of communicating and really building that intimacy. Beautiful. Let's uh, bring in a caller in, Wynn in Menlo Park. You're on the air. Thank you. Um, Paula and I have just completed our 55th month as a couple who are committed to each other and living apart. And it has been just the most wonderful thing for us to do. Now, it turned out I was 82 years old when we met, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't lose my identity, and she wanted to make sure she didn't lose hers. So when we first talked about being a couple, both of whom who had owned houses for over 40 years, it was obvious we didn't want to sell and we chose to live the way we're living. Every day, the first thing we do is decide where we're going to stay that night. And every morning, we pack up whatever we have, and we go home. And we work on things that we want to do together, either during the day, during the evening, or with our friends. We've managed to come up with a set of things that we manage to do together that we really enjoy. And uh, let me briefly tell you, one of the things that is very much interesting to me is that we worked out everything in advance. We chose the friends that we wanted to share and the ones we wanted to keep apart. We made a financial deal that said, you take care of your expenses, I'll take care of my expenses, and we'll 50-50 share the ones that we are together. When we travel, we travel together and everything is 50-50. Fortunately, we have enough money to be able to manage to do that. And the interest part is most interesting to me. Paul is on the Board of Governors of the San Francisco Symphony, and I have become a member in the symphony in a way I never would have believed would be possible, and I've convinced her to be a Warrior fan, so we're both sharing kind of interest that way. Every 11th of the month, I give her an anniversary card to remind her that that's the day I met her at that hour, and I always want to spend the rest of my life with her. Oh my gosh, you're bringing me to tears, Wynn, literally. I'm curious, how long did you wait until you made all those arrangements? How long were you all together before you really laid it out clearly? The first 10 minutes I knew her, I knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And I waited about two weeks before I finally said, Paula, I need to tell you that I love you. And she returned the the feeling. And we sat down and said, okay, how are we going to manage to make this work? Fantastic, Wynn. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And may I, actually, I have one more question because I was going to ask our experts, but I'd be curious about your thoughts. Have you guys come up with a plan, you know, given given your later age, what you'll do if, if one of you gets sick? It's obvious that I would take care of her and it's obvious that she would take care of me. Uh, but the, the other thing I didn't mention, which was very important, is that our families are thrilled. They always have been from the moment we met each other's families. And by pure chance, my son lives in Rye, New York, and her daughter, one of her daughters lives in Scarsdale, seven miles apart. And we've got two people now who are friendly as families and two families that are friendly together. Fantastic. Well, happy holidays, Wynn. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Uh, let's hear. It was a wonderful topic today. Absolutely, uh, Alice. I'd love to hear from you, Alice in Berkeley. You're on the air. Hi there. Yeah, um, my husband and I met, and my friend introduced me as a woman who wanted to have an involved father. And my husband said, "Sure," 
And uh, so we dated for a short while, and I lived in Los Angeles at the time and then moved up to the Bay Area when I was about 10 months pregnant and rented my house in Los Angeles. And then uh, eventually we bought a house together in Berkeley. And then when things kind of started to get a little bit weird and we didn't get along so much, uh, he moved back into his house that we were renting when we moved together into one house. And then we decided not to get a divorce because – we thought, why should we give all of our money that we were wanting to pass on to our son to some lawyers? So we have a really great friendship. He's there. He does some shopping for me when he goes to Costco. I do things for him. I figure out the solution to many problems that he comes up with. And I'm very happy. I think he's pretty happy, too. We don't sleep together, but that's fine, too. And are you both allowed to date other people? Is it sort of you're, you've just taken the romantic side off the table? Yeah, I think we've really taken the romantic because my husband, uh, I think he's a little temperamental about being vulnerable because uh, he came from a kind of troubled family and doesn't have a lot of trust issues. Um, I think he trusts me a lot, but it's just somewhere that we don't want to go with each other anymore. But it's working for y'all. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Alice. Happy holidays. Kristen writes, I have been divorced once and I found the very traditional relationship of husband and wife living under the same household to be extremely constricting. I have found an incredible partner and we have discussed that we would not like to live together. Living apart allows us to dedicate our time apart to self-care. And then when we are together, we're able to dedicate our time specifically to caring for each other. It allows us to give more fully and deeply because we have had time to care for ourselves, thus leaving more energy to give. Uh, Dr. Sherry Sims-Allen, I'm curious, would you ever inspire or tell a couple that this might be a good option? If, you're, if they're in counseling, would you ever sort of recommend for couples to do this? Most definitely. I would recommend that, especially if it's uh, for the couplehood. The couple, they love each other. They just can't see living together could work for their couplehood. I would inspire that. I would recommend that they first talk about it, maybe lay out a game plan, like one of your um, uh, um, uh, callers uh, talked about, laying out a game plan, who's going to take care of what, uh, who make sure you like you share the the your passwords, all of that stuff. So it's completely intimate. You're completely aware of each other. And if you can't live together, I would recommend this as a possible um, a new model or possible option, the living apart together. Let's bring in another caller to the conversation. Uh, Bethany, you're on the air in Emeryville. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. So um, I am 40, 40 years old, and my partner and I um, are both previously divorced. And when we first met on our, on our very first date, we talked about how we never wanted to move in together. Um, and I, I kind of knew right then it was going to work out. <laughs> and has it? Yes. It's been great. It's about two years now, and we uh, we live within walking distance of each other, uh, but we have our own apartments, and um, and it's been great. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, Bethany. I hope it continues to thrive. We're talking about living apart together. It's a, a way of being a couple that has become even more popular since the pandemic. It's when two people choose to live under separate roofs but stay together. We're joined by Sherry Sims Allen. She's a psychologist and relationship expert. Kelly Coyne, she's a freelance journalist who wrote a recent article in the New York Times called The Wife Left, But They're Still Together. And Vicki Larson, she's the co-author of the new I Do, Reshaping Marriage for the Skeptics, Realists, and Rebels. And she's also writing a forthcoming book about living apart together. We really want to hear from you. We want to hear if you are living apart together with your partner. How's it going? Tell us what the pros and the cons are. Maybe you have a question for our experts. We're here to answer those questions if you're considering living apart together. Give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. The email is forum at kqed.org. A listener writes, when I was a kid in the early 80s, my family lived in a condo. I sold Girl Scout cookies, and I sold cookies to a married couple who lived in an adjacent condo. According to my mom, I told her that when I grow up, I wanted to have the same living situation. Interesting. Uh, Sherry, I want to go back to you just on this idea. When, when would you not recommend this as an option for a couple? So if a couple's really struggling, when are the times when this is maybe not a good idea? If the couple is struggling, if they're having issues in their marriage and they're looking at breaking up or getting a divorce, I would recommend that they not live apart together because it only uh, adds to it or it exacerbates the, the issue itself. I think a couple, again, the bottom line is if a couple is looking at getting a divorce or finding a way to get out of the relationship, I recommend that you not practice this uh, model of living apart together. Let's squeeze in one more call before the break. Uh, Wyatt, you're on the air in San Jose. Hello. Good morning. Um, uh, this is not necessarily a uh, relationship question, but I was wondering if your panel might have any commentary on the costs and increased consumption of having two households voluntarily apart, um, especially in the Bay Area, because we're talking twice as much food, um, twice as much gas consumed, um, uh, you know, the environmental impacts and just the, the general additional consumption of voluntarily choosing to have multiple separate households. Yes. Let's let's toss that question to Vicki. We have just a minute before we go to the break. And you've touched on this a little bit, but kind of expand uh, uh, to answer Wyatt's question. Well, yeah. I mean, then no single person should ever live alone. And that's not really fair to single people. <laughs> um uh, yes, it costs more, but should we all be living together? I don't know. Should we all be having co-housing? We don't do it. We don't have those kind of living arrangements. People need to make those decisions for themselves. And what I heard from you earlier is is not necessarily that you're saying live alone. You're just saying potentially choose a creative situation. Maybe you have a roommate, maybe you have a family member, um, but you're going to choose to live separately from your romantic partner, potentially because that's going to allow the relationship to thrive. That's right. Again, uh, a financial situation is not the same as a romantic situation, and the two should not be melded that way. Absolutely. We're going to talk all about this a little bit more and kind of break down how it will actually work, give some tips. We're talking about living apart together. It's a way for couples to stay together, but potentially live under separate households, and we'll learn more about the pros and cons of that. Joining me again are Sherry Sims Allen, Kelly Coyne, and Vicki Larson. Stay with us. We'll be right back after the break. 
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Alexis Madrigal. And we're talking about a living arrangement called Living Apart Together. It's a way for a couple uh, to live in separate households but remain together and, and potentially even help the couple thrive. Uh, Vicki, you've noted that this desire for autonomy, for women to kind of, kind of lead this movement, is potentially an extension of the women's lib or women's liberation movement. How so? And, and, and maybe talk a little bit about the research that you've uncovered there. Yeah, so there's there's one legal scholar um, who calls lat relationships the gender revolution continuing into old age, which is kind of a nod to the fact that boomer women have been on the forefront of restructuring family life in the past few decades. Um, you know, once women could be financially independent. Uh, that was a game changer. Uh, in my mom's generation, uh, women really kind of had to get married. Men did too, because otherwise it was something weird with them. Uh, but, you know, women were dependent on men financially. And um, that's not how we live right now anymore, thankfully. And so, you know, it it allows women to have autonomy over their lives and what they want to do. And um, it's very attractive for uh, people like me, a boomer, um, who have their own homes, have their own lives, already have had their own children, and just really want companionship and, and maybe sex. And I will say that uh, living apart together is a great libido stimulant um, because uh, nothing squashes desire than um uh, resentment and being tired of someone and being kind of, yeah, yeah a little bit squashed. But uh, yeah, what is it? Distance yeah. makes the heart go fonder. It does indeed. Uh, it does indeed. Um, and Esther Perel, a uh, famed uh, uh, psychotherapist said, um, home marriage and motherhood have forever been the pursuit of many women, but also the place where women cease to feel like women, mm. you know, longs for closeness, but desire thrives on distance. Um, That's beautiful. Let's bring another caller into the conversation. Uh, Sarah in Albany, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to, I was so happy to hear this program because not many people talk about it. But um, yeah, when the pandemic shelter in place happened, my husband and I um, decided that he felt really secure being out in the country away from people and fear of exposure to COVID. And I felt really secure being in my 
comfortable home with my friends and my community around me. And um, so we sheltered in place separately. And thank goodness for FaceTime and Zoom and things like that, where we still felt very bonded. We speak every single... Well, anyway, at the point where we didn't have to shelter in place anymore, we decided we really liked where we were, Mm -hmm. and we really love each other very much and like to support each other in being happy in our lives. And so I'm happy in the city, he's happy in the country, and we go back and forth visiting with each other and really have a great time together. We love spending time together, but we live apart. Do you think knowing this, you would have done this earlier in your marriage if you would have known it would have helped your marriage so much? No. I wouldn't say it helped my marriage. I think our marriage was really great to start with, Um, but I would never have chosen to live apart. I really would prefer still to live together, but I also know that I'm not ready to move to the country, and he doesn't want to live in the city, so here we are. And, you know, we're, we've been married 30 years, so we, we have a good, healthy relationship and everything, but, um, and we don't know what we're going to do when we get older, and even older, I should say. Uh, we haven't figured that part out yet. It sounds like you're in really good communication and a lot of love. I'm sure you'll you'll find the right path. So thank you so I much, Sarah. Yeah, absolutely, for sharing. Appreciate hearing your story. Uh, let's go to Michelle in Glen Ellen. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I met my partner two years ago at the beginning of COVID, and um, she lives about 40 minutes away from me. She takes care of her um, 87-year-old mother and her sister who has schizophrenia. And um, I have a, you know, teenage son. So there just was really no possibility of us combining our households it would be too crazy um and so we've just been living apart for two years but we're very committed and we love each other and we just accept our situation for what it is thank you for sharing michelle Sherry, I actually want to want to touch on that. I have a colleague actually who who is choosing this living arrangement with her second husband, and they decided not to blend their families, not to live together because she said the statistics for blended families are not great. Is that true? Is this maybe the right decision for uh, you know couples who have kids? Maybe it's not a good idea to pack everyone into one house. I agree. Second marriages, blended families, uh, it becomes complicated. So it does require uh, much thought and how you blend those families. And depending on the age stages of the children, sometimes it's best to to, you know, to live apart together where you still honor each other. You honor your family dynamics before you met as a couple. And um, and you're allowing it to unfold slowly. So I agree. Sometimes uh, those two families trying to blend them is not a good fit. Let's go to Shuby in Union City. Shuby, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah. Talking about family, my question is what about uh, about couples who share a child? So it's not a blended family. Uh, I'm not in this situation, but... I'm thinking that as a couple, I think we felt the biggest strain when when a child came in the picture and taking care of, you know, a new person. Um, And I don't know how couples do it if they're living apart, because that would mean a lot of labor on one person at one time. And yeah, so I'm just wondering how it works for families where a child is involved. Yeah, does it even work? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as well. Uh, Vicky, do you want to take that one? I do. Just yesterday, I interviewed someone exactly in that situation. Um, their child is 17 months old, so young, and uh, their uh, her husband lives in a very remote area, uh, and she lives in a, 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 a kind of a more of a city uh, type of situation, and they the child goes back and forth and they spend time together. But I think any woman who's listening, who's a mom (laughs) will know how intense it can be to have a child. She, her husband takes a child, which, you know, I think so many moms really want their, (laughs) the dads to like take the child and allow them to have the space. And he encourages that for her and she encourages it for him and the child doesn't really know that anything's missing it's just explained very matter-of-factly and look divorced people do this all the time uh I did that for many many years my kids were nine and eleven when their dad and I split and they spent a week with me and a week with their dad and um we spent you know, holidays and birthdays and everything together as a family, because once you have children together, uh, you are forever, you know, joined at the hip, or at least you should be. And kids understand it. Um, And look, how many children are being raised with uh, a parent who's a firefighter and spends a few nights at the fire station or um, flight attendants or pilots who are gone from the home and then come back or long haul truck drivers or CEOs who fly back and forth. Children are very, very adaptable uh, to a situation. It's just, they want to know that they're loved. Absolutely. I think too, as, as a kid, as myself, as a kid of divorce, you sounds like had a divorce that was amicable. I mean, one of the things that was hard for me is going back and forth between two parents who didn't really like each other. So every single one of those transitions was, was challenging. Whereas it seems like in this kind of a situation, a living apart together family, obviously those transitions would probably be really beautiful if the couple is still choosing to be together. So I can imagine you know, we have this idea that divorce is hard because, you know, kids are going between two people don't like each other. But this is this is a little bit different, which I can see. And it sounds like your divorce as well, Vicky, was different in that way. So it seems like it could be a lot more workable for kids. Uh, let's I want to go to a comment here from Mark. He writes, I was in a marriage that was all consuming to an unhealthy extent. Since my divorce, I love having my own space and place, and I still love couplehood. So as a man, I find it in the best I find it the best of both worlds to live together on weekends and apart during the work week and talk every night on the phone. My partner is an introvert and I'm an extrovert, so it starts, suits her just fine. We have been together for over three years. Women are not necessarily the instigator of this different lifestyle. Uh, and now let's go to uh, Derek. Is He's in San Mateo. Derek, you're on the air. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for taking my call into the conversation. I also want to thank Wyatt who called in earlier with, I think, a good question. Um, I uh, I lived in this kind of setup in a relationship for two years uh, around the mid-2000s, and for me it was wildly dissatisfying. Uh, it started off all right, but I, due to certain changes in my partner's life, I ended up uh, beginning to pay her rent and then uh, paying you know a lot of her expenses and I came to realize that a lot of the problems and dissatisfaction I was having was not really due to the setup, 
but to my lack of boundaries and some of the problems we had, you know, didn't iron out in, in, in our relationship when we were first getting to know one another. So I guess this just leads me to believe that what's most important um, for me, at least, is kind of uh, conveying clear expectations about what my needs are and my hopes are in a relationship and establishing, uh, you know, personal boundaries and a, a sense of personal identity as opposed to just picking housing arrangement because it's either traditional or because it's fashionable. Thanks. Thank you, Derek. I imagine you agree on that front, Sherry, that that communication is probably way more important than what the actual living situation arrangement is. Absolutely. I love what the last caller just said, because it does, it is important to lay out the expectations and talk about the financial arrangement. Like he's saying that he had to pay for the person's, you know, his partner's uh, housing. That should all be worked out before you decide to live apart together. Again, living apart together is to enhance the couplehood. It's not an, a, an excuse or reason to break the couplehood apart. Giovanna writes, my wife and I moved apart in the last year because after 30 years in the U.S., she has decided she just couldn't stand the crime, the homelessness, the rightward shift of our national politics. Now we are apart. We don't talk about politics and we don't argue about my right wing family members. We are splitting time between the East Bay and Norway. I hated the idea at first, but it has been getting better and better each day. We have more time for ourselves. I have more time to finish up my career and work towards retirement. We are made much happier by being surrounded by loving friends who support us individually and as a couple. It has worked out so far so good. Thank you so much for sharing that, Giovanna. I'm curious, Vicky, if you would like to point out any other. You have a long list of, of pros uh, in, in your writings. Uh, what are some of the pros that we haven't touched on uh, that you would like to share? Oh, yeah, there actually are a lot of really good things about living apart together, um, according to studies. And, um, you know, there are studies out there. It's been such a popular thing in Britain and in Europe. Um, it's catching on in the United States. But in Britain, I think like 10% of people identify as Lat. So a lot of the studies come from, from Britain. Um, uh, some of the studies say they are as satisfied or more satisfied with their relationships, the couples that live together. They have higher levels of commitment. They feel the same amount of trust for their partner because trust is a very important thing. Wait, I want to um, stop you there. Why trust? Because I, I would just, I, I think, assume that couples might, you know, jealousy might run a little bit higher in a living apart uh, situation because what is my partner doing and I can't keep track of them? Well, Yes. And, uh, and also, we don't really know what's going on when you're living under the same household, too. There's a lot of affairs that happen when you're married and living together, right? So you do have to talk about it. And, and, and it's talking and communication, is, as um, Dr. Sherry Allen said, is incredibly important. If you're not with your partner all the time, you have to be very intentional about how you spend your time and what you talk about, what you agree to, setting up the healthy boundaries. And and then it does build on trust. It does build on trust because you have to, because you don't you don't know what they're doing, but we don't really always know what our partners are, are doing. I think that's a that's a fallacy that we always know what's going on. I mean, we might I guess I want to press you there a little bit, though. How does it build trust? Like, how does being apart potentially build trust? Is it, I mean, maybe I'm just guessing, you know, you say you're going to call at six and you show up at these times. Does it give you more opportunities to maybe show up well and, and keep agreements? Um, 
yeah, you can't really, you know, you can fall into complacency if you live with someone. And you can't really do that if you're living apart. You have to work at it. And so the more you work at it and you have to build up your intimacy, it does increase the level of trust, or at least it's the same amount of trust as if you're living with someone, you know. Um, And also, it's attractive to people who already, uh, you know, aren't insecurely attached. I mean, if you're, you know, we're not really talking about attachment theory or anything, but if you are a jealous, untrusting person, this is not the relationship for you. So I think it's attractive to people who already feel very comfortable in their relationship and in, um, and in their old world. And, um, you know, uh, if you're not uh, someone who is, um, a trusting person. I would not say live apart together. This no. is the right arrangement. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's not the right arrangement at all. Um, it sounds like it's more the right arrangement for people who are really dedicated to their own autonomy and dedicated to staying on their own two feet and not really sort of meshing, but really wanting a certain level of freedom. Would, would you say that's true, Sherry? I agree. I would say that's true. And, and really wanting the companionship, just wanting the autonomy and wanting their own space. And both couples uh, feel the same way, really wanting their own space and um, appreciating the autonomy and wanting to be together, love each other. AJ writes, my life partner Karen and myself met seven years ago on Christmas Day. I wonder where they were. And have been living together apart since. We are both over 70. She is in a senior housing in Berkeley, and I am in the Richmond Marina Bay Harbor. We designed and now wear, quote, commitment rings and hope to have a ceremony not involving the government as soon as COVID trifecta allows family and friends from out of state to gather with us. Our friends and family all see us in the elder form of puppy love, as well as fully committed for the rest of our life. We support each other in all ways, financial as well as in love. Our story is a magic one of six degrees of separation, having friends and experiences involving immediate and other long-term friendships. One can only hope that that is how they would describe the relationship at 70. Thank you so much for sharing, AJ. Uh, just one final comment uh, from each of you. Actually, I don't have, we don't have time. We have 90 seconds left in our show. Uh, I'll go to you, uh, Vicki. Any final comment about LAT that you want to share that we haven't touched on in the next 30 seconds? Um, um, well, I think that um, if you... I think it's a consideration. A lot of, so I'm on a partner's Facebook page and a lot of people said, I didn't know this even existed. And so I would say to people, get that, get that version of what a romantic relationship looks like out of your head and ask yourself, what do I really want? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. What do I really want? And this kind of gives you an opportunity to explore that and maybe create a creative arrangement that works for you. We've been talking about living apart together. This is where two people choose to live under separate households, but stay together and stay committed in the relationship. I want to thank our guests very much for all of their thoughts. Sherry Sims Allen, she's a psychologist and relationship expert. Kelly Coyne, a freelance journalist who wrote the recent New York Times article, The Wife Left, But They're Still Together. And Vicki Larson, she's co-author of the new I Do, Reshaping Marriage for the Skeptics, Realists, and Rebels. She's also a reporter for the Marin Independent Journal, and she's writing a forthcoming book about living apart together. And I want to thank all of our listeners for your calls and your comments. They were really fascinating and heartfelt. Happy holidays. Have a great week.
Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.